Let's pray once again. King of kings and Lord of lords, we bless your name. We want to thank you for yet another opportunity of converging in this place, your sanctuary, a place that you designated, that men and women will come and seek your face. And when they cry unto you, King of glory, that you will hear them. So hear us this afternoon, King of kings and Lord of lords, speak to us. I surrender at the foot of the cross, my Lord, my master, my redeemer. If there is anything in my life that has not glorified you, I sincerely ask for forgiveness in front of these saints. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and take over. Come and minister. We immerse ourselves in the precious blood of the Lamb. Will you speak to us? We worship you, we bless you, because we prayed through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Praise the Lord. I do not want to take a lot of time talking about myself, because, because like I've already said, there isn't much about myself. But I gave my life to Jesus Christ as a young man. I cannot say that my work has been very, very, very easy. There are moments when it has really been very tough. But I want to bless the name of the Lord that up to now, I'm still standing and can testify of his goodness, of his grace, of his love, of his mercy. My name is Henry Kakushire. I've been here for a very long time, for more than 40 years. I came here when I was a youth. I was not married. Got my wife from here. She was a youth, married, and God has blessed us with children. One of the tremendous things that God has really shown me in recent times is that he watches over his word. Because I have seen him do so in our family. Now, I want to share from the text that has been read, Psalm 29. And the topic that I was given is the manifestation of God's glory in our midst. The manifestation of God's glory in our midst. That it is very possible for you, for me, in our offices, our places of work, in our homes, in marketplaces, to literally feel the glory, the presence of God. Now, I do not want to take anything for granted. And please excuse me if in my sharing it is implied that I'm taking you for granted because I want to define a few terms which I personally found very interesting and a bit difficult for me. So I take time and trouble to, to find out what these words mean. Glory. I want to talk about the glory of God because it is alluded to in this some that we have read. For example, verse 1 says, Ascribe to the Lord Almighty, ascribe to the Lord Almighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. It is very, very important to note that this word glory appears four times in this short text. In verse number 1, it talks about the Lord's glory and his strength. Verse number 1. In verse number 2, I think, it talks about Worship the Lord in the splendor of his world holiness. In verse 3, it talks about the God of glory thunders. 
verse 9, it talks about, and in his temple all cry glory. So what is glory? Very, very, very important. Glory, according to the, I, don't, I think, uh, Oxford uh, Advanced Learners Dictionary, is fame, praise, or honor that is given to somebody because, it's very, very, very important, because they have achieved something important. It is fame, praise, or honor that is given to somebody because they have achieved something important. When I was a young man, I used to think that it is glorious to put on expensive clothings. And I got a job and I was earning some good money. So the first thing I always thought about was buying nice clothings because I thought that was glorious. But here we are told that because of what? Because of what you have achieved. Achievement accompanies glory. Uh, yesterday I was watching on social media a very interesting scenario. Something that I would not wish any of our daughters to go through. Somebody went abroad, hustled with the husband, they put up a nice house. Now this foolish man, I don't know how he organized, when he came this way, he left his wife behind, a beautiful house really, by all standards, and got another woman and put her there. And the other woman, the bona fide woman, the one she was married to, later on came and found this woman in the house. And they started fighting. And this woman said, whether you like it or not, you will not stay in this house. The other one said, no. Whether you like it or not, I will say, what they were fighting for is the achievement of somebody's sweat. Somebody was clamoring for glory. But one of them had no achievement behind. So, when we are talking about the glory of God, we are talking about his achievement. So, that is glory. And manifestation, I don't, take, I don't want to take a lot of time. It is something, it is some, something in somebody, it is something that shows something clearly. That is a manifestation. Something that shows something clearly a feeling, an attitude, or a quality. It is a manifestation. The other meaning about manifestation is to appear or become noticeable. So we said, the topic is the manifestation of God's glory in our midst. So we can say, we can rephrase and say, according to this text that we have read, the revealing of God's praise, fame and honor in our midst through his awesome Acts, because that is what the Psalter is actually alluding to in this psalm. If you read verse 1, it says, Ascribe to the Lord, Almighty ones, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Now, I want us to understand that the Old Testament root word, when we talk of glory, it has the idea of heaviness, it has the idea of worthiness. In day-to-day -day life, it could be used to describe people's wealth. I'm talking about glory. Splendor or honor. Wealth, when we talk about wealth, we are talking about big cars, big houses. And not big houses, not just anywhere, but the location also matters for you to have that glory. So that is how the world 
would want to look at glory. Wealth, honor, professor, member of parliament, soccer icon like Messi or Ronaldo, honor and splendor, grand, impressive, beautiful mansions, villa, swimming pools, all those are what would probably amount to splendor when we talk about glory of a man. But God's glory is the revelation. I want you to note that. God's glory is the revelation of his being, nature, and presence. His being, nature, and presence, sometimes with physical phenomena. Like when the children of Israel were living, the, were moving through the desert, there was that physical phenomena, the cloud, it led them. If you read Exodus chapter 16, verse 10, that was symbolic. It portrayed the glory of God. Even on Mount Sinai, if you read Exodus chapter 24, verses 15 and onwards, the cloud was a symbolic representation of God's physical presence. Now, in this Psalm 29, verses 1 to 9, the Psalter alludes to the glory of God through his mighty acts and begins by acknowledging his nature as all-powerful. Verse 1, it says, Ascribe to the Lord Almighty, once, ascribe to the Lord, uh, the, the Lord glory and strength. When we are talking about the glory of God, we are talking about his mighty acts. Have you, in your life, witnessed it? Have you seen the glory of God? In verse 3, he says we, that he speaks with thunder. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. That the voice of the Lord thunders. Now, the word waters here is not used literally. It is figurative. It is symbolic. Because in ancient times, in the Old Testament, the Canaanites used to worship different gods, evils. And this term, waters, here is symbolic. The waters here are symbols of evil that were worshipped by Canaanites. In Psalms 18 verse 4, the Bible talks of the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. That, is, that was the the, the, the writer, he says, the torrents of destruction. Now, torrents are waters, waters, evil forces. My friend, these days, do you feel those torrents in your family? As a young woman, where you work, do you feel these torrents that are almost overwhelming me? I remember a letter that really gave me strength to keep on following. This young lady, at that time, was, had been at Makerere University. That was in the 80s. It was one thing to claim to be at Makerere University and totally a different matter to be actually there. She was a brilliant young lady. She studied and went to Makerere University. She was studying BSc. I'll not divulge further details. But while I was there, she met a young man. The young man was from, I come from Western Uganda, and that's where the young man was coming from. I will not tell you where the lady was coming, but she was not coming from there. So they fell in love. After a few, a few years, she was disqualified. She could not continue 
And this young man, I don't know whether he was speaking the truth, but must have been a lie. And I want to caution you young people, stop giving young ladies headache. If you are interested in somebody, make up your mind. So he went and told her that, ah, my friend said, ah, I have to marry somebody from our place. So the young lady has been disqualified and she has lost half years. All those years, you can imagine, that was troubled water. That those were torrents. I could not put myself in her shoes. But I want to praise the Lord very much for that lady. Later on, she left Makero University, of course, and she got a job somewhere, and I met her. And she encouraged me. I saw a young lady who was focused, who trusted God, who knew that God was there, that when he speaks, even the waters of disappointment will be calm. And she showed Jadon. She saw Jadon. That was in the 80s. And we, she encouraged me. She's the one who really encouraged me to know that God actually really exists. And she was always happy. So she worked without qualifications for a long time. Later on, more than 20 years, almost 25 years, one time I was walking around Kampara Road on Boulevard, you know that building, Boulevard. I met her friend who had also been living with her. And they had been single, very faithful. And they thought they had aged. So we talked and we talked. Then I asked her about that friend of mine. And this friend of hers told me, you don't know Henry? Ah, your friend got married. She actually went back to Makerere University, did another good course, and she's working somewhere. She married, now they live overseas. When she said those words, I never, I never uttered another word. I went home, and the first thing I told my wife was those good news, that God stole, thunders over waters, and they become firm. They become calm. And that's what the Sota is talking about, that God, when he speaks, the waters become firm. Now, I do not, do not have a lot of time, but I want to say that we give praise to the Lord because of his awesome strength and power, like we have witnessed in verse 3. Only God has the capacity to steal the mighty waters of today in our homes, offices, and everywhere. Only him, was, only him has displayed power and might to dispel any negative force or any, imag any imaginable force that is poised to destroy. What I'm trying to say is that it is only God that has the capacity to steal whatever force of whatever magnitude in our lives, like I have explained to you. You look at the story of David and Goliath, First Samuel chapter 17, verse 11, the Bible says that when Goliath kept on taunting them, they were terrified. So, when the Psalter says, ascribe the Lord the Almighty uh, uh, because of his glory and strength, he knows what he's talking about. Number two, I've said let me go back. I've said that God's glory is a revelation of his being. And I'm saying that we give praise to him because of his awesome strength, as we have seen in verse 3. But the other reason why we give praise to the Lord, he deserves all the glory, worship because of his holiness. Look at verse number 2. It says, ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. 
That word holiness simply means one who has been set apart. Simply means one who is distinct. My friend, when people look at you in your office, do they see somebody who has been set apart? Somebody who is incorruptible? Somebody who is pure? Somebody who, when he stands to speak with a girl, people have no question marks. They do not doubt his moral purity. Ascribe to the Lord whatever you ascribe to him in verse 2 because of the splendor of his holiness. When we are talking about the glory of God, we do not exclude that element. That he does whatever he does because of his holiness. Because of his, of his holiness. That God deserves all the glory because of his holiness. And we worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness because his glorious acts always set him apart from other gods. If you read Isaiah chapter 44, verse 9, the Bible says that all who make idols are nothing. The things they treasure are worthless. Other gods are worthless. But we have a God whose name is holy, and therefore he stands out distinctly. So whatever he does is out of purity. It is important to note that the... No, that one I had already made that point. I'm sorry I'm rushing because of time. But point number three, we give God... God deserves all the glory because his voice, his word is powerful. It is, his word cannot be impeded by any barrier or force or forest or ox supposed to be windbreakers. The trees are supposed to be windbreakers. But even a forest of trees cannot impede the word of the Lord. Look at verse 9. It says, the voice, of the, the voice of the Lord twists the ox and strips the forest bare. My friend, whatever your forest is, whatever forest of problems you have, let God speak in your life and that forest will disappear. Psalm 33 verse 9, the Bible says, He spoke and it came to be. That when God speaks, it happens. And this is exactly what we see in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, this man, this man who had a, a, a servant who was sick, remember that story? He told the Lord Jesus Christ that, Master, I do not deserve to have you come to me under my roof. Just say the word. Just do what? Say the word. I want to request you, my brother, let God speak in your life. Let him say a word in your life and it will transform everything. He said, just say the word. So verse 9 again. says, The voice of the Lord twists the ox and strips the forest bare and in his temple all cry glory. That when God speaks in his temple, you feel his presence. You see his power. They are Christians who walk and their life is dependent on all that they see, the physical. I have told my children, I have a daughter in senior six, and I have told her that you need to trust God. You look where you are. You are not supposed to be here. Look at the people you study with. It is God who brought you here. Look at me. I don't have the wherewithal. I do not have the clout. I couldn't have brought here. It is God who brought you here. Look to him and let him speak in your life. And I have always reminded her of that. Even the last night, the other night when we were praying, that when God speaks, he moves a mountain. Maybe there is a mountain in your life. It could be the deaths that are submerging you. It could be the, the lack of trust and confidence of your husband. 
Let God do what? Speak in your life. He spoke and came to be. I now want to draw the conclusion. So, is it possible, therefore, with these mighty acts of God, is it possible that we can actually talk about the manifestation of the glory of God? Glory because of the work, because of the works that he, that he has done? Yes, it is possible to see the manifestation of the glory of God in a home. It is possible to see the manifestation of the glory of God in a person that is suffering. I remember, as I draw to the conclusion, in 1988, I was staying with a very powerful man that, led, that showed me immeasurable kindness. One time he took me to Mlago Hospital to visit one of his friends. That man was the father of a man that came to be very, very powerful and influential in this land. I will not mention his name, but he was coming from Kigezi. So we went to see him, and this man was suffering from cancer. And he was on his bed. I remember that incident very well. He was about to die. And he had his Bible on his head. And so when we went to see him, he was so afraid. I don't know how you are feeling. So he got out his Bible. And I remember the words he read from Romans chapter 8, verses 35 and onwards. What can separate us from the love of God? Can trouble, hardship, danger or death? I remember those very words. This was a man who was suffering. But he saw the glory of God. I want to tell you that you can see the glory of God in your family. I want to tell you that you can see the glory of your God at your place of work. I want to tell you that even when things have been so hard, you can see the glory of God. There are many times when I have walked the streets of Kampala without Bahamane, but I have seen the glory of God. There are many times when I have walked and I do not know when to take back my children, but I have seen the glory of God. Praise the Lord. And so, as we conclude, I want to say, one or two things. Number one, that the glory of God is no longer very far away. Through his son, Jesus Christ, that glory has come very near. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, the Bible says that the son is the radiance of God's glory. Is the radiance of what? Of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining everything with his powerful word. Sustaining everything with his powerful word. Number one. So the glory of God is no longer far. See, through his son Jesus Christ, we can see it. Number two, I want to say that you and I can actually share in the glory of God because it is there. It has been manifested through his son Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 14, the Bible says that he came and we beheld his what? His glory. It is no longer abstract. Finally, Jesus, Paul writes and says, Christ in you the hope of glory. That you can still have hope, no matter what. There is a young man. He's a friend of mine. When you see me for the Bible, I'm through. But there is this friend of mine. He's called Nabos. One time he came to see me at my former place of work on William Street there. He had a little girl of about five years. Very beautiful young girl. And he came to see me. In our, in our office there. And we talked and we talked. So I escorted him home, not home, to the park. And as we went, he told me that, you know what, Henry? And I said, what? He said, you see, sometimes I cry at night because of my little girl. This little girl had a tumor, cancer, a cancerous tumor. And it was bothering her, so I didn't know what to do. So I remember 
telling him that I have a friend who works with the, I've forgotten that is, that uh, organization to us is Makinde. And our friend Tom Duku, late Tom Duku was working there. They were looking after cancer patients. So I wrote him a note. I said, go there, go with your little girl, they will help you. So he went there. And actually, they helped. The tumor subsided a bit. But later on, it came back. So by the time he was telling me back, then it had actually come back, that tumor. Little, little girl. So they would stay together in the house, in the, in the room. And at night, often she would call her, her father, that little girl or mother, and say, bring me some water, because the cancer was making her thirsty very much. So one night, this little girl, about five years, I saw that little girl, I'm telling you what I saw. John says what we have seen and heard, that we do what? We proclaim, I'm telling you what I saw. True story. So, one night, this little girl, five years old, called her father and says, Daddy, come. She was in her little bed in their room. The, the father went and he knew she wanted water. Deep in the night, around 2 a.m. So he went there. And then she asked him a very serious question. She says, Daddy, do you love Jesus Christ? This was a frail, ailing girl in pain. She said, do you love Jesus Christ? Can you imagine? A little girl even in pain still sees God in her circumstances. Do you see God's glory in your circumstances? So I asked him, what did you tell your little daughter? Because I know you are not saved. And he said, Henry, what could I have told her? I told her, yes, I love him. And then she asked him three times, do you love Jesus Christ? After the third time, those were the last words, and she gave up her breath. What a glorious way to exit this world. Knowing that you have hope. Knowing that there is Jesus Christ who has stilled all the waters of life, even the pain, and that you are going there. That's why Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 says, Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. Do you have that hope? Let's pray. Our heavenly Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, we bless your name. We want to thank you for the word that never changes, that cannot be contradicted no matter what the circumstances. Lord, I lift my brethren here and myself to heavenly Father, that we may not lose hope, that we may continue to yearn and clamor for the manifestation of your glory, no matter what. We want to thank you for what you accomplished on the cross. We worship you, we bless you, because we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.